Hello, all my coffee lovers and educational boundary pushers. My name is Coffee Chug, and you are here listening to the fourth episode of the Coffee Chug Cafe podcast series titled Living on the Edge of Chaos. My name is Aaron Maurer. You know me as Coffee Chug Books, and this is a podcast dedicated to helping you challenge your thoughts on education, push you to the brink of living on the edge of chaos, getting you outside that comfort zone, helping you share your passion, and we do it all while enjoying a nice cup of coffee. And at the same time, with a major, major goal, besides challenging your thoughts, is to help expand and connect you and broaden your personal learning network. So let's get right into this episode, episode number four of Living on the Edge of Chaos, coffee jug style. Thank you for joining us on the Edge of Chaos. Chaos, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Mauer. Chaos, 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 Outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Living on the edge of chaos. Chaos. Living on the edge of chaos. Chaos. Living on the edge of chaos. Chaos. Coffee chugs, coffee chugs, coffee chugs, coffee chugs, coffee chugs, coffee chugs. All right, so this episode here is going to be focusing on the passion driven classroom, which I have a couple podcasts and I have blogged about this very, very extensively this summer. It was my big infatuation um, and still is in many ways, but I haven't talked about it quite as much lately because I fe- felt like I was oversaturating the whole concept. But I presented on the passion-driven classroom this summer at a world council uh, for gifted and talented. Uh, I have presented on this at other locations and I did talk about this briefly with sort of a passion-driven project uh, with that we've been working on called Bet Passion that stemmed from working with Angela Myers with some eighth grade students at my school. What this episode is going to focus on are five questions that I received a few months ago from a teacher in my building. She happened and thankfully listened to a long podcast of mine, which I'll leave a link in the show notes to where I talked about the passion-driven classroom. And I expressed my feelings, my beliefs, and and the importance of having a passion-fueled classroom and educator uh, for every child in every room throughout their their school day. And so what I want to do is go through these five questions. These are five questions that I I had saved, I archived, and to be honest, I was mean to connect with her on the first week of school and things just didn't happen and it sat. And as I was going through and uh, streamlining some of my stuff online, I came across these five questions that she emailed me. And I want to go back to them. And I think taking some time away from it and getting a fresh perspective and seeing where I'm at 
with things that I have learned and talked about with, with other colleagues at conferences and people who have challenged my own thoughts, uh, I really believe my answers are much better and stronger than maybe what they would have been had I answered them a few months back. So let's go ahead and get into the first question that we have um, from this particular teacher. And she asks, how can I balance a passion with reality? Seems like when I have a passion, it can turn into an obsession where I'm thinking about the topic and wanting to work on various tasks related to the topic all the time, which can then take away from the time I need to be spending with my family and the mundane chores that need to be done. I've been trying to think of ways to balance the two. And this is such an important question, and I'm not here to say that I haven't figured out because I don't. There are times where my passion definitely takes over, and I was reading a lot on this, and anybody who can tell you that there's a perfect balance or you can have a balance is simply lying to you. Um, because, and I, and I believe that, and I tried to believe that you can have a balance, but I don't think that's the case. When I'm truly passionate about something, it does just what you're talking about. It operates in my brain 24-7 and just doesn't leave. And I think you have to go with it. That doesn't mean that we go so extreme that we lose out and we forget about our family and friends and some of the necessities of life. Uh, you know, it's still important to shower and shave and say hi to your spouse and tell your kids that you love them. But don't get stressed out if you don't have that balance. I mean, that's why it's a passion. It's just something that consumes you. It's something that's so powerful within you that when it strikes, you've got to just go with it. I mean, that's why why we're here. That, that's what gets you up in the day and gets you moving and, and makes you want to do the things that you want to do. And so I think to, to say that there is a balance, I, I don't know that there really is. Um, when I was heavy into my triathlon training, it consumed my every waking moment everything that I ate, everything that I did. Um, it affected my daily habits and things of that nature. I'm still, you know, passionate about exercise and fitness, but I have moved on to other platforms. And for me, it's now this, this podcast and my blogging and in particular um, coding. And I find myself thinking about those three things all the time. It's all, all, I, all I do. And so sometimes things have to go. And so I've had to give up maybe not going out and training 30 hours a week um, to make room for these other passions that are currently taking place in, in, in my life right now. And so that's a very important question, one that I, I think you have to find out what works for you, which isn't easy, and I still struggle with that. And I think any, anybody that has a true passion will continue to struggle with that because it is just that. It's a passion, and it is that all-consuming feeling that we have. The second question was, if I'm in one of the valleys, I should say, quote, valleys, where I don't seem to be passionate about anything, how can I get fired up again? Do I watch motivational videos, read blogs, keep up on the latest and newest technologies? Another wonderful question. We can't be kicking full throttle with our passions all the time. You know, I, I look at it, there's that, that wonderful article about a cheetah, you know, and a, and a cheetah cannot sprint 60 miles per hour all the time. has to take time to regroup, rest, reset the brain, the body, to get up to be able to go back to peak position again. And I think we are no different 
as, as humans and as educators and, and just people in that general sense. So we can't be full octane all the time. There's going to be those those valleys, as, as she stated here, where nothing really kind of flips your trigger. And that's okay. That's your, I think your brain and your body and everything else telling you that it's you just need to step away for a little bit. But during that time, what's your routine? You know, so maybe it is motivational videos. Um, I read a lot of blogs, and I love keeping up on the latest and newest technologies. And so I have Feedly. I use Feedspot. Um, I subscribe to several magazines, and I'm constantly devouring books. And I'm always looking for the latest, greatest idea, something that's out there that seems to be slightly like the, like this podcast on the edge of chaos that nobody else is thinking about. What is it that's being out there, being mentioned, people are, are talking about that kind of ignites that spark? And that comes into whatever your interests are. For me, I, I'm really enjoying the business marketing type world right now and all the things there that go on with, with startup companies. Uh, but you have to find what's important to you. And I think you have to let it come to you. I hit that that valley. I hit about a three-month lull where nothing really connected. But during that time, you're constantly observing, you're absorbing, you're putting yourself in environments where you are collecting all these little bits of data, whether we realize it or not. And once something takes off, your brain will just go crazy and you'll have so many thoughts and ideas, you're not even going to be sure where to begin. And that seems to be how my brain goes. Um, it seems like it shuts down, but really all it's doing is just reprocessing all the information. And information that maybe I'm not even thinking about. And so I even do that on a day-to-day -day basis. Just get out with my kids, play around, you know, and, and try to live in their world. Just for a different take on things. Because sometimes you do have to take a step back. So I wouldn't stress about that. Your third question kind of leads into that. Can passion turn into stress if I get too absorbed? Which goes back to find the whole balance thing. Absolutely. You don't want to be stressed where you, you're missing out on the passion. But keep in mind that passion isn't just pure joy and essence all the time either. If you're truly passionate about something, it comes with, with a lot of hard work, determination, the ups and downs, the ideas that are failing because you're going after something that really matters to you. And so it's not always all positive, happy emotions all the time. But the journey itself is, is what matters because once something clicks and happens, there's not a better feeling than that in, in, in the world. So if I were to go back to the Bet Passion Project that we're doing with 8th grade students, there's honestly probably 100 things that we would do completely different based on our first year. But I can't get stressed about that because when I see some of these kids taking their own passion into their own hands and running with it, and it's not every kid, I, ideally I would like that, there's not a better feeling than that. And so don't fool yourself with the true, true meaning of passion. If you look at passion, it, mean, it means literally to suffer. And so be prepared to suffer. And, and I've been through that, and I've had people doubt my ideas and question what I do and, and not think things are, are very, very good. You know, in some cases, that's true. But if I'm not constantly pursuing my passions, trying things out, experimenting, pushing the boundaries, which is kind of my passion as a person, then I'm never going to find out what I'm made of. And so will it be stressful? 
Yes. Will you get too absorbed? You probably should. And if you don't, then I don't know that it's really a passion for you. But don't let it be something that it ruins your life. Because life is too short to live a life of misery also. Your fourth question is, uh, how can I address a 100 plus students passion in my classroom? Brainstorming ideas for projects where students can work on a topic that they are passionate about. And I know numbers and time are always the, the questions, the essential questions that come up in education all the time. What do I do with all these kids? What do I do to meet all their needs? I'm only one person, and those are all completely 100% legitimate concerns that we have to think about and address. But I always like to look at it this way. If my kid, my own personal children, were in my classroom, what would I want them to gain from it? And so I'm not here to judge other teachers, but I personally approach my classroom as if my kids were in it. And am I teaching other children the way I would want my own children taught? And that's what drives me every day. And I think that we can find ways. You know, we could be down, obviously, in the ideal world. You know, as Malcolm Gladwell states, the, you know, the, the good class size should be 25 kids. Um, you know, if we had class sizes of 20 all day long, it could make our lives a lot easier. But that just doesn't seem to be the case. And so we can't use it as an excuse, but we've got to be able to figure out ways to infuse it. And really, it goes into a much broader discussion, this one does, is, we just need to completely blow up the school, traditional school system that we have. We're, we're robotic to bell systems and the whole notion of how school has been done. And I think if we could really just tear it all down and restructure schools for today's world, I think that we could get students' passion, no matter how many kids we saw in a day, covered in a greater detail. Maybe not as perfect as we would like, but we can make it happen. But I think as we're still operating an old world model, it makes that very difficult to do, uh, which then leads to the stress and the workload of teachers, especially when you have to meet the daily grind of all the other things that, that, that are expected to move along at a curriculum at a lightning pace. The last question, I'm still thinking about the question, what is my wow? I'm wondering if it would be beneficial to do an activity with my team where we share with other team members what we see as their strengths. For me, it's easier to see other people's strengths than my own. And this might help identify my wow. And I could not agree with you more. I will tell you my personal journey with this was when I was nominated for Iowa Teacher of the Year. And I went to fill out my application. Um, and there was probably about 18 pages of writing that I ended up putting together. But through that process, I wrote a draft of all my answers, and I felt pretty good about them. And I reached out to two fellow educators, one retired and one still in the building, to read my work. And when I got the phone call from the lady that I asked to read my work, I knew the reason I, I chose her is because she'd be upfront and honest and wouldn't sugarcoat anything. And her words to me was that my answers were not good. And I still remember she said, I'm not sure why you wrote what you wrote. 
And that statement has, has stuck with me. But it was so true. And she started then to rattle off all the things that her and, and the other colleague had mentioned about why I didn't write about certain traits that I have. And my answer was quite startling to myself at the time. And it was that, you know, I, I just didn't think it was a big deal. Those were traits I just thought everybody has. And it just didn't matter because that's what I used in my day-to-day -day operations. And so I think that's very, very true. That it's hard to look within at ourselves. And I think we do need to have these very open, honest conversations to find out what our true strengths are. I think that you can find your wow. Your wow is who you are. Um, so for me, it's the whole coffee chug kind of brand and label, this kind of nerdy persona with coffee and just, you know, living life and acting like a kid and, you know, constantly challenging yourself and never settling for anything less than your best. It just kind of becomes that nature of, of what it is that, that makes you, you. Now, when you get into the qualities that help you achieve those things, that's where I think it gets difficult, and we have to have those conversations with other team members. And since I've filled out that Iowa Teacher of the Year application, I honestly think, and I'm going to continue to push for it, that that should be something that every teacher does. I really wish I would answer those questions my first year of teaching and then compare them to my answers that I have today because I know that they would be completely different and none of it would be the same. And that journey of sitting with those two other educators and going through those questions, the conversations that we had going over what I wrote in those questions were the most powerful moments probably in my educational career that I've ever had. I really had to look deep within myself and come to terms with who I was and what I am and they helped me see things about myself that I needed to celebrate and recognize as being something special. And we all have that. And in that conversation, we were able to connect with these other educators and the things that they do well also. Overall, these are five really deep questions. And as you're listening to this, if you have other questions, ideas, feedback, suggestions, personal experiences, I would love to hear from you and have you leave a comment or email me or connect with me on Twitter because I don't think this conversation is over. And as I look at these questions, I know that I'll continue to have more information and, and new outlooks as they develop. And so there's a reason that this has been printed off and it's sitting in the nerd cave on the wall because I know that I'm going to return to these five questions uh, maybe in a couple months, maybe a year down the road, I don't know. But they're questions that we need to constantly be looking out for answers. Two resources that I will highly suggest, and they're in the other podcasts, and I've mentioned them a million times in my blog. But the first one is uh, Dave Burgess' Teach Like a Pirate book. And I know that most of you have read this. It's He's everywhere. This book has just been flying off the shelves like crazy for educators. But in this book, one thing that I wanted, I think connects to these questions is he's, he talks about passion in here, which is actually pretty pretty cool that I started writing about passion and I f came across this book and there it was talking about passion as well. And in that chapter, he says, there, here is the secret. We're not passionate about everything we teach. 
And I think we have to remember that it's okay to not be. But we don't give up. And so what happens is he has three types of, of passion. And it's, it's very, very important that I would like to bring this out. So if you haven't read the book, you need to, um, not only for this chapter, but for all the other amazing things in here. The first is the content passion, just that you love the content that you teach. If you're a history teacher, you love history. If you're math, my wife loves math. She just she just loves the numbers and the solving and the, the process. Um, and so when you have that, you need to celebrate that and, and show that passion in your classroom for how much that, that you love the actual content. But there's days where the subject matter within your content just doesn't strike your fancy. And so then he goes into professional passion then. So on those days where maybe you don't really like this chapter or lesson or unit or whatever you use in your school, you can start to figure out your professional passion. What got, got you into education? And what ignites that fire inside you, as he states? And so he uses what he calls life-changing lessons, where he starts to bring in lessons in that chapter or that unit of instruction that could get them thinking about the bigger picture, about life in general. Um, and that's such a great outlook on things. And I just love it. And so he has a whole entire thing about what he does with, with the teaching of, of Malcolm X, which is really quite remarkable. And the last thing is you got your personal passion, who you are as a person. So for him, it's, it's magic. He infuses magic all the time. For me, that personal passion is obviously, if you've ever seen the Coffee Chug Cafe, is Lego. Um, always building models and robots and things just to challenge the thoughts that maybe don't have any direct approach to the education, but it shows the thinking process. It shows a lot about who I am um, in that general sense. And the other book that I encourage everybody to own and read through because it's just phenomenal and this guy is one of my favorite people of all time. I have a lot of those, but this guy is definitely up there in the top. Um, it's, it's Simon Sinek, and he has a book called Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. And it's all about finding your wow, finding your why, how it works, how to look for that. And I've used much of that material um, over and over again when talking with my students for the Bet Passion Project about helping them find their passion. And that book never gets old. I'm constantly highlighting, making notes in the in the margins. And so those are two that are that are absolutely essential. And so I close here with thanking this educator for listening to the Passion po Podcast that I had posted the, over the summer, giving me these five questions that I had neglected, but coming back to them have really reopened my eyes to a lot of things. I hope you found this information, this podcast useful. I know that I'm excited to continue to pursue my passions um, and continue to find better answers to these actual five questions, and I will be revisiting these. But in the meantime, tell me what you have. What are your answers? Do you agree, disagree with what I've shared? I would love to hear your voice uh, to the information in this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. This is Coffee Chug on the Edu Chaos podcast series where we're talking about five questions to think about when you think about your own passion. Have a great day, and until next time, keep it real, and peace out.